Maslow's hierarchy of needs tells us as humans, we have predisposed needs in this order. The basic needs are food, sleep and water, followed by our home, security and financial support, and then moving into psychological needs or love and belonging to. And if you are lucky enough to have all of these other needs met, to self-actualization. But what if your daily living was stressed beyond these needs and that you have been generationally traumatized into a life of slavery? Om Prakash Gujar, recipient of the 2006 International Children's Peace Prize for his work against child slavery, reiterates the necessary components of elevating out of a life of slavery comes from education. Om Prakash Gujar started his activism after being freed from illegal child labor by Kailash Satari. And once freed, he spent his life re-educating children and creating child-free villages to ensure that children go to school and become educated instead of working in factories illegally. And then slowly, slowly, also I am encouraged by writing slogans. So slogans on, on, the, on the walls and the walls in the street or village or small town. So we are writing slogans like uh, uh, down, down child labor. We want education. So and there is many Hindi is a language of our Indian language. It's a Hindi. So we writing many slogans in Hindi and also in English, should people get aware about the education and aware about the problem about the child labor, okay? So the children and villagers, they asking me, why are you writing about, why are you doing? So I tell them the education very important and every child should be get to school and then we get a good nation, good society, good village. Then I encourage the children also who are not attending school, same. So there is many work I did in my village or nearby villages and in 2003 in four I, I, I selected go to in a uh, Florence is a city of uh, Italy so there is a first uh, conference on child labor and education so I selected for go there but unfortunately I don't have my passport so I couldn't go there because my passport is made by my birth certificate and I don't have that birth certificate because my parents are uneducated and they didn't know the importance of birth certificate. So th that's why I not uh, went to uh, Florence. So I, I, I started and I thinking why is important birth certificate and I asked my teacher in a, a school. So they told me this very important documents to every child when they born. And when you have a birth certificate, you get your passport, you get a good school, good school or a high school or admission, and you get health schemes, many things. It means birth certificate is tell you, you are the citizen of India. Simple documentation like a birth certificate is something we take for granted in Australia. Also the right to free education. The majority of us live with abandon that comes naturally due to our regulations here. Up to 38% of children under the age of five in India do not have birth certificates. 
which can make these children and their families at high risk for being indentured into the slave trade, stolen or sold to work in factories in the cities. And also, when I encouraging children go to school, so there is many, many poor people. My family also poor, and the same like my family, other people also. They wanted to send their children in a school, but in a school, so there is a fees. You pay some fees there, and you get admission, and you can get education there, even in a public school. So, okay, I'm 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 worried about. Hey, Om Prakash, you doing for the sending children in a school, and there is a fees. How can they get education because there is they not have money to pay for them. So me, I can I discuss about the Kailash this problem, and. He told me, Om Prakash, if you want to, and we want to also do, to write a letter to Human Rights Commission of Rajasthan. So I write letter Human Commission of Rajasthan about education to get free education in uh, my state, and also same time I, I write a letter to in a court, in a high court, which is uh, order the the schemes. So I write a letter to them, and they thinking about because I I raise their question as well. Hey, if I want to send to every children in the school, and you want to also your mission also government mission also want to send to every children in the school, but there is no fees. So there is many poor kids they could not pay, and their parents are not pay. So how can they get education? So they thinking, oh, this is the serious issue, and we think will be thinking about, and they free that education in after six months they announce the government of Rajasthan they announce okay free education for every child, and the fees they taken before. So they also, you know, the the, the fees they return that fees their parents, which they have taken before. This this means that all of these children that didn't have access to education, yes, had access to being educated for free. Because uh, they didn't know, and because there is in a school, the children the, the children are parents are very poor. They don't know about importance of education. Should they always without education? And their parents also uneducated people. So they didn't think about the education is very powerful in their life, and there's importance of education. So I encourage them. I tell them about the if you get education, you you you, you know your better health. You know the education. When you get education, you know the your rights and. How to get your schemes from the government? You can fill the form to for jobs, and you get better life. And you can read newspaper, you can watch TV, you can use uh, phone, many things if you get education. So people are curious about how oh, this is very important. But uh, we not have free education. We there because the people are poor, so they become they wanted to. And then I write a letter. Then uh, is school are free, so children are getting education. So this is the big change in my village and nearby villages. So nowadays, if you come to in India, when you have time back to or you want to visit India, so you can come and see the villages. So there is every child now getting education. Getting access to better jobs creates better conditions for all. Back to the hierarchy of needs, that when one is safe and secure and has their basic needs met, then they can rise above and live in a different existence. Organisations like Destiny Rescue also concentrate on giving young women a second chance at rising out of enslavement. This time not from factory floors making our garments, but out of sexual slavery. 
but the story changes here. It's similar to that of Outland Denim. Once they're safe and they trust that they are being taken care of appropriately, they are then taught, educated and given life skills that sees them rise out of their situations. Can you explain to me in depth what Destiny Rescue does as an organisation? Yeah, so our purpose is to rescue and rehabilitate children who have been um, exploited within the sex trade. Some cases also involve, so it could be uh, sex trafficking, also sexual abuse and um, exploitation in different ways. So our, our goal is to rescue as many children as we can across the world and help bring freedom to their lives through trauma rehabilitation and then reintegration back into their community where they have access to safe employment, they have access to education, basic health needs, um, so that they're able to um, overcome that pressure of earning an income in an unsafe way, which is usually what drives them into that industry to begin with. So. It's not always that black and white, but there is a lot of pressure on kids to be earning an income for their family. And so often with um, lack of education and lack of job security, they're finding work in these really risky places. So okay, we help so, them by removing them from that. So they're not necessarily always being traded per se, but once they've actually engaged into that work, or that line of, of work, is that when the slavery is, is sort of exacerbated? Yeah, so when they're being exploited basically because they're being taken advantage of uh, because a lot of these kids are coming from really vulnerable situations. So the three driving factors we've seen across many of the countries that we're working in, it has sh shifted slightly and I'll go into that in a little bit more detail, but the three main risk factors are children who, and families who are living in extreme poverty, um, children and families who have a lack of education and lack of job security, uh, they're big risk factors that put them in vulnerable situations where people can either be offering them employment in cities, in, in restaurants, um, and, and job of, offering jobs that sound too good to be true that actually turn out to be in environments where they're having to sell themselves for sex or sit with men. Yeah, or kids could be going into it knowingly for lack of a better option. Lack of a better option. It is sentiments like this that justify some comments and behaviours of industry. Justifications around that they are born into it. It's good for them. Slavery is essential for some businesses to operate that it is acceptable in this community and culture and that it is also a useful form of punishment. What happens though when someone sees something that they cannot ignore? How this changes the course of action and the vulnerable and exploited futures are reconsidered? For me. Absolutely. So our founder, Tony Kerwin, he actually went on a trip to Cambodia um, years and years ago, be over 20 years ago now, and his eyes were just open to this issue. So what happened when he was walking through Cambodia, he was actually offered a child for sex. 
uh, for about, I think, a hundred Australian dollars or maybe even less at that time. And he was just appalled, had never really um, thought about this as being an issue. And the fact that he was offered a child just so easily and with no questions asked, it really just got him. Uh, so he went back to Australia. He's from Cairns originally. Um, and he had an electrician business, went back to Australia, went back to his business and was just really convicted that he was to do something about this and fight back in some way. Um, so he really felt called to start Destiny Rescue from there. And that was back in 2001. So started it with the sole purpose of rescuing these kids from these situations, then not having to sell themselves or be sold by somebody else um, to provide a safe place for them to live and to give them a brighter future by helping plug them into, you know, whatever community resources are available and help to upskill them so that they can um, provide safely for themselves and their families in the future. So yeah, Tony um, and his family, his wife and his three girls up and moved everything to Southeast Asia uh, and began the work of Destiny Rescue. So the benefits of being freed from situations like these have huge effects on those who come out of these scenarios. Om Prakash Gujar is a living example of a child that was a slave, freed, and has worked tirelessly to ensure that children do not become slaves, but end up in schools. There is a rehabilitation process that goes along with it, and sometimes it can take years. And have come through our programs, uh, we've seen huge success rates in uh, bringing them through trauma rehabilitation, through vocational training, through getting their um, level of education up and then being able to reintegrate them safely back into their community. Fantastic. So it's not just a simple case of, you know, um, just going in and, and walking out the door with, with someone and freeing them at that moment. It seems to me that there's a continuity of care after the fact of doing that. Absolutely, yeah. And even the way that we uh, facilitate a rescue can look very different as well. So it definitely varies from country to country, as does the rehabilitation of every child. So we take a lot of pride in the fact that we really base our aftercare service delivery to meet the individual needs of the child. There is no one-size-fits-all approach to this. Every response to trauma is a little bit different. So our team, our aftercare team, are amazing and very are flexible and fluid in the way that they deliver our aftercare programs. There is consistency in the content that we are delivering, but it can be delivered in a lot of different ways. Sure. So we really make sure we're assessing each child case by case and in, in creating that care and reintegration plan. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, that each person is an individual, so I imagine that, right. that, that uh, they have to be treated as individuals Exactly. Can you can you walk me through what uh, what the process is of how you you know how is the identification of that there's a person at risk and and then how is that child freed from that enslaved situation? 
Yeah, absolutely. So there are a few different ways that we do that. We have rescue teams in each country that consist of both international and national team members. Um, so there's covert rescue, which is where our teams work um, in a minimum of two people per team. And they go into establishments that are known for or have been identified as selling children for sex. So they'll go into these establishments and they'll identify any children who are in there and they'll sit with these children and start to build a relationship with them. They'll usually sit with them for the entire night so that no other customers can have access to them. Um, and through that time, our rescue agents start to learn a little bit more about why she's there, learn a little bit more about her past and what has led her there. Um, and just start to build a relationship there. And they'll also just try and make it fun. So, you know, they'll try and just joke around and make it a really relaxed conversation. But yeah. through that time, it's all to lay the foundations of building that trust because obviously her level of trust is going to be really low. I mean, the very people that should have been protecting her have put pressure on her or um, other sole reason that she's in that place. So sometimes it takes a while to build that level of trust, but once it's there, then they can start talking about what we can offer her and how we can help her to get out of that situation and build a new life for herself. So sometimes that happens straight away. Sometimes that takes a few visits. Sometimes it takes months. I mean, I've had stories from rescue agents who have been visiting the same girl for up to two years. So once we identify a target, we're not letting go. Uh, we will do everything we can to get her out. And sometimes it takes a little bit longer. Om Prakash Gujar also refers to the relentless energy to not only getting girls out of situations, but to keep girls in schools. In the modern West, we are seemingly disconnected not only from our full understanding of the pain, suffering and situations that people go through in order to make and provide us with our clothes and food, but also the traditional expectations that are applied to young women and men to provide for their families. It is a balance between support and breaking through. Children and villages to sending their child in school. Okay. Same time, many many girls are they 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 drop outing. They they not come to school and they think we are telling them you can come to school, you can enjoy. And, but they they are in an age of like a twelve age of same like my age and 13, 14. So so they they did not have a clear answer. But they say oh we don't want to go to school. No no no. But they they not uh, reply means the real problem. But and I asking to also my teachers. Hey, there is many many girls and children are attending school, but later on they are left in school. They not continue their school and asking their parents. So there is two problems which is I get as soon as possible there. The first problem is in a not have toilet in a schools. So there is no toilet toilets for girls. So they they need to go to toilet. So there is open area. So they are not comfortable to go to. Should so so. They decided it's better to leave the school, so no, they're not coming to school. Second is the child marriage. Their parents, they did earlier marriage the girls to their is a young age. So there is two major problems at that time. So I I thinking if there is toilets in a school, so children, girls are uh, continue their education. 
so this is the me and my team find this solution so we want to go to our principal of the school so the headmaster of is asked to him please make the toilet for the school and as well as boys and girls so we could not go to an open area and we can use the toilet and the girls also can get that uh, um, uh, use the toilet so they say om prakash we not have uh, enough money or fund to making this is because we not have separate fund for this toilets so i am saying i told them how can, who can make them then if you not have fund for this so who can make them so they they told me is a government of rajasthan and government of local government which is in a village and town government they have uh, responsibility to make this toilet in a school so i am saying okay then we go to that uh, local body local government they say om prakash we are okay we are trying to making we are trying to making but they not is a day by day day by day goes but nobody action taken about it. then we discussion about the rehabilitation center with the kalash about this problem and he say okay om prakash could you and your team go together as a rally or like a protest for need to toilets so we started to this this and also we got concept the glimmer of hope and desire to change things because of where one comes from and what experience one has is so powerful and this is the reason why om prakash kujar won the laureate peace prize winner for children in 2006 modern slavery is around us whether we like it or not there are many who walk amongst us whom we see when we travel and those who sit behind sewing machines making our clothing that are subject to harsh and horrific scenarios to feed our appetites for consumption On the positive side, the implementation of the Modern Slavery Act in Australia is a step in the right direction. Social enterprises working to change their behaviours and educating those who have been traumatised by slavery, and the grassroots activists who are working one-on-one to change the story at the coalface are encouraging. Stay tuned for more episodes in this series on modern slavery. food and fashion fail. I'd like to thank James Bartlett, Camilla Shipper, Om Prakash Gujar, Renee Chopping and Gordon Renouf for your time, patience and contributions to the conversation around modern slavery. A special thanks to the CBFA for keeping free to air independent media alive on the airwaves and supporting the Ecofutures team to produce this series. sources and research conducted have been through bbc wikipedia scroll abc.net indeed australian bureau of statistics statista good on you the baptist church and antislavery.org music has been sourced through freesound.org an open source platform for artists and the sounds that you have heard are accredited to Jagadamba, Magadu, Extra Gamer, Kev P888. They've been mixed, edited and produced by myself Jody Sydney in collaboration with the CBFA, the Ecofutures team and Byron Bay FM. Stay tuned 
for more episodes in this series on modern slavery, food and fashion fail. Keep the communication and the conversation alive and email us or contact us on our Facebook page, EcoFutures Radio.